And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide, the Athletics CBJ dedicated podcast. I believe this is episode nine. Allison, correct? Correct. They are piling up here. Um, joining me, this is Aaron Portsline. Joining me is Allison Lucan uh, and Tom Reed, who are in various states of their morning. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I feel like a radio guy here. Have you ever noticed this at the beginning of every sports radio show? They always have a lot of stuff to get through. Like it's a very just chock full segment here. <laughs> uh, that actually does apply here. You got, a, uh, got a lot to unpack, don't you? Aaron? We have a lot to oh, unpack. Boy. We have a large onion to unpeel here, or to peel. Sorry, can't unpeel it. Um, news and not good news for the Blue Jackets, as you you already know this. It's Seth Jones out four to six weeks with a knee sprain. Suffered uh, Tuesday in Clinton, New York, an otherwise perfect evening as part of the Kraft Hockeyville game with Buffalo. That really was a tremendous event and sullied by the injury to Seth Jones. He's out four to six weeks. Oi, if he's out four weeks, he misses seven games. If he's out six weeks, he misses about 15 games. So that is a big loss for a Blue Jackets blue line that has already been hit with with uh, UFA defections, with injuries, with players coming back from injuries. We count through it. Uh, Zach Wierenski, good news for him. He will play in an exhibition game tonight in Nationwide against the Pittsburgh Penguins, his first game since having rather significant off-season shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum and also to clean up a rotator cuff. Uh, so... 
that's good news, but you've got Wierenski at some percentage less than 100, certainly. You have Jones out. You have Ryan Murray out with a groin injury. And this team lost Ian Cole and Jack Johnson to free agency last year. So <laughs> this, um, this not to, not to uh, crack on any of the guys who are going to be in the lineup on opening night, but this is going to look like a training camp preseason roster uh, compared to what the Blue Jackets thought it was going to look like. Let's first talk about Seth Jones and how big a loss this is to these Blue Jackets uh, and how they may attempt to sort of patch up and get through without him. And uh, either one of you can go first. Let's go with Allison because she's uh, right there with us leading the charge here this morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously huge. This is a player, Aaron, you've mentioned this, I believe, as well, that was in the top five for the Norris last year. I think this is a player who had a breakout year last year and did not appear to have missed a step in what we saw from him this season. And, and you know what concerns me, and this is certainly not the player's fault, but when you have a lower body injury, what that means is that it's going to affect your ability to maintain your conditioning level, right? So there's the issue of healing the injury in and of itself. And then there's the issue of returning to game condition and full speed condition. And Seth said yesterday, he's hoping to be able to get back on the bike starting next week to at least try to keep that leg firing as strong as he can. And I, I kind of joked to you yesterday, Porty, that this is a player who does have a, a history of healing perhaps a little faster than expected. He came back from that broken foot quicker than we all thought he would. He came back from the from the upper body last year. Well, he played hurt, of course, but came back a little, a little yes, a little quicker than we had had thought. But it's just a, a big big loss. What I'm interested to see, however, is that this will be a really interesting look at Zach Wierenski because we've never really seen him away from the talent of Seth Jones. So what what does the player show us uh, in these weeks while we wait for Seth to return? Tom, who do you think slots up up there? I mean, there there are a, there are no easy choices here. You don't replace Seth Jones, but who would you put on the right side of Zach Wierenski, um, at least to start, see what it looks like. Oh, who did they play with him in the six games? Uh, I'm trying to think who played with him in the six games two years ago when Wierenski played. Yeah, when, when, when he, as, as Allison mentioned, he uh, broke his foot. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm pulling it up. Hold on. So last year, when Jones was, last year specifically, when Jones was hurt, an oblique strain, if I'm remembering correctly. That is correct. Of course, that's a pairing. I don't. Wait, here it is. There, I was looking at the wrong line. Um, actually, Zach skated with Jack Johnson last year. I'm gonna check out my buddies at Left Wing Lockwood. This is great radio, by the way. And two years ago, let's see when he had the broken. What's that? I mean, it it looks like. Two years ago, Tortorella has given Savard. thought to maybe New Tavara sliding up there. He even mentioned yesterday that maybe someone who's used to playing on the left side would have to play on the right side. The one guy we kicked around is maybe Adam Clendenning, yeah. uh, right side, right shot player. Not a perfect choice, granted. I don't think there, again, there is one in this situation. 
I, I don't, whatever the, there's been no indication that they plan to move David Savard up from the second pair to play with Wierenski. So maybe, I mean, but I, I for me, it's like putting Nudovara up there now disrupt, disrupts two pairs uh, rather than just keeping Nudovara and Savard together, finding someone, even Harrington, who can patch with, with Wierenski. And then that makes your third pair either Carlson or Kukan or Carlson and um, who's the fourth one? Oh, no. Um, yeah, Clendenning. Mm-hmm. So not yeah. ideal by any means, but this is going to be a very interesting stretch. Well, Allison, did you happen to find the... Yes. So two years ago uh, when Seth had the broken foot... Um, it was Zach and Savard, and then Murray with Johnson, and actually at that time, Nudivar with Dalton Prout. Uh, that was two years ago. And then last year, during the injury, uh, Zach skated with Jack, and then the other pairings kind of filtered out. Uh, Cole with Savard, and Murray with Nuti. Well, we've talked in the past about what it would finally look like if you ever broke up Zach and um, Jones, and this is not how you really want to do it, uh, but it will give them a look at what Renski and someone else looks like for more than five or six games. And it'd be interesting if they can get somebody right off the bat or they have to keep changing on the fly. I think the other thing that this does, of course, uh, certainly to, uh, we, we talked so much about the importance, I think this season with all that's going on around this team and the uncertainty of the futures of Bobrovsky and Panarin was you really wanted to get a quick start to this year. And this is all, this is just going to give one more challenge to that, whether they can do it. It is, but you know, yesterday it was interesting, um, and, and this was in Porty's article too, about the defense needing to play a little bit safer. And my mind immediately went back to when we heard that same messaging Back last year, when Cam Atkinson, Alexander Wenberg, and who was was it? Nick was out at that time as well. When there was a, a, a big hit to the forward lineup, and they did make it through that stretch. I mean, they they hobbled a bit, but they made it through. And it's it's interesting that that it's going to be. It sounds like the same strategy here, just on the other side of the ice. They, it, it could they could do it. Yeah, I I give you that, but I think this is the. Maybe your second most important player. That's Agreed. the thing. He, he plays in every situation, Agreed. obviously. A power play, penalty kill. Not saying that they won't do it. And again, I, I think it it could give them a window into what life, you know, again, we've, we've talked. It seems like Aaron pushes this all the time to Torts. And Torts is always saying, oh, what are you trying to break this pair up? But, you know, it will give us a, a window into what this looks like without those two guys playing together and can somebody of that group like play with Wierenski and look so good that, you know what, maybe we can get Jones with somebody else. I don't know. I, I'm trying to just grasp for positives here totally. and what is otherwise a really big blow. Totally agree. You know, it, it's funny. It's, it's been a, I don't think I asked the question at all last year to Tortorella about Jones and Wierenski, maybe, maybe early. Um, but he he has uh, sort of fixated on that, and even when you don't ask the question, it, it it is sort of owned as your question. 
somehow. Oh, um, yeah. He has no choice it, now, as, to your point, Tom, to look at something different. I mean, I still think it's different to see those two on different pairs rather than with one out of the lineup. But you look at the rest of that crew, and, and there's potential there for sure. But if I don't think it will surprise anybody if the conclusion is reached this year that that the other pairs on this team need enough help and we need more ice time with with those guys out there, I don't think it's beyond the question that this is a year that that happens. And you wonder how those two would respond to that because they both have made it really clear uh, that they like to play with each other. So um, so that's the Seth Jones situation. Wierenski we, is back tonight against Pittsburgh. Our understanding is that if 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 he plays tonight and feels like he he needs some more touches, uh, feels like his timing is way off, then maybe he dresses again Saturday in Chicago. Um, and all signs point to him being ready October fourth. Now, there's going to be a deep breath. There's going to be a gasp when he gets hit for the first time. Um, you know how that goes with guys coming back from profound injuries. So that is something to watch. Good news on the back end. Uh, a name that that few people had heard um before camp and a name that still several people can't pronounce perhaps myself included michael prepavisas um this kid that was in the coast league last year this kid that didn't get any invitations to development camp um this kid that came to traverse city with the blue jackets without a deal on a tryout agreement my god he has signed an ahl deal as of about 10 days ago and then as of yesterday he signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Blue Jackets, which means he has an NHL contract. Now, he's almost certainly to start in the American Hockey League. What a great story uh, in training camp. Uh, poked around a little bit about this. I remember Jeff Platt, a guy <laughs> way back. It was 06. I thought it was even earlier than that. But Jeff Platt came to camp with the Blue Jackets uh, tryout agreement at Traverse City. Ended up getting an NHL deal early in the season, 06-07. And then uh, another name that that I have now already forgotten, Oliver. Oliver, hold on a second. Oliver. He, this this kid did the, much the same thing. I think he was a Portland Winterhawk. Um, Oliver Gabriel, 2010. You guys remember Oliver Gabriel at all? I remember the name. Yeah. Vaguely, uh, he did the same thing, never to very rarely to be heard from again. Uh, but for Prepavisis, what a great story this is. He's got an older brother that plays hockey in Denmark. Um, just it was cut free by the Dallas Stars, and now here he is, not just back in the game, but with an NHL contract. Uh, final cuts are coming, and there's not much drama left on the back end, guys. There's seven, seven defensemen in camp because of the injuries to. Murray and Jones. Um, but up front, I think it gets a little bit interesting. And there's still some stuff to sort out there. Let me just poke the names by you here, and, and you guys tell me if you think they did enough to make this roster. Now, I mean, they can't all make it. I'm going to give you five names here, and three or four of them can make it. Prob- probably four. Uh, and we'll start with the guy that the Blue Jackets signed this offseason. Anthony Duclair. Is Duclair a go or is du- is Duclair a stay? Tom? I would say yes. I mean, I think he makes the, the roster, yeah. I thought he actually looked pretty good the other night in uh, Clinton. 
I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give you some, yeah, five names. Marcus Hannah and stay or go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See there? Well, yeah. Well, th- this is this is where it gets hard, right? Because it depends about the role that we're talking about, right? Because as a 13th forward, sure, maybe, but if right. and and I know I'm screwing up your exercise, but No, no. If you if if Lucas Sedlak <clears throat> is in the line for the 13th forward, does he have a foot up on Hannah Kynan because he can play center and wing? So you're saying you put sort of Hannah Kynan and Sedlak on their own depth chart of sorts. Like we're taking one of those guys. Right. If, yeah. yeah. If I need that style of play, which of those two am I taking? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And maybe you put Milano more with Duclair. Yes. Not that they're the same player, but more right. of an offensive bend to their game and we should point out that milano also can go back to minor league cleveland without having to clear waivers so which is the wrinkle the other wrinkle right so yeah right and that's the tough part i mean it is always said that this is done on merit yeah mostly (laughs) but that guy has to be clearly better right than the guy to put him on waivers um so sunny milano yay or nay Tom. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. How many goals were <laughs> last year? You got to cut somebody here. Um, I, I, I didn't. Um, I haven't weighed in on Sedlak. So, I mean, although you were talking about the thought of Milano and Declare playing together, you on a low line. That is be a light low line, uh, but. See, I don't think of Duclair as light. Huh? I don't think of Duclair as light. Uh, yeah. You put him with Riley Nash. I don't mind that line. I don't mind that mind physically. Um, Lucas Sedlak. So Duclair, Hannah Kynan, Milano, Sedlak, Jonathan Davidson. Someone's got to go. And what about Kevin Stenland? Okay, Kevin Stenland. Yeah, you're right. He's still here. <laughs> Give the man a shot. <laughs> no, I, I mean, give the man a shot. I, for me, the easy choices are, are Davidson. Nothing against the Swedes. Anyone, anyone Swedish listening to this, Jonathan Davidson and Stenland are the are the ones that you go. Okay, those are the those are the most painless. Um, Davidson goes back to Sweden. Stenland goes to Cleveland, and you keep fourteen forwards. I haven't seen enough from Davidson to uh, to say, wow, he, how could you send him back? Especially even. The fact that you could lose him back to Sweden, I don't know. That's I, I haven't seen as much as you guys have. He's been okay. Uh, he's been okay. Yeah, and Stenland, Stenland is the one that's intriguing to me potentially because he, for me, he's a player that sneaks up on you. He's not a player that grabs me right away. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, look at all the things he's doing on the ice, right? Yeah. Um, Torts commented, I think it was yesterday, that he they want him to work a little bit more on his first few steps, which totally makes sense. Yeah, um, you can see that with how with how I feel when I watch him, and and I I, I see flashes from Davidson, but I almost, gosh, I, this is hard. Yeah, see, I, I don't, 
I, I don't think it is. I think Davidson goes back to Sweden because if you keep Sweet, if you keep Davidson here, he's got to play. Absolutely. Right. And and we, uh, Allison, you and I talked about this yesterday. This is not his contract that says he goes back to Sweden. This is right. like the Blue Jackets agreement with Davidson that says he goes back to Sweden. This is how the agreement works between the Swedish Hockey League and the NHL. If you're not a first round draft pick and you're of a certain age, you're young enough. Like Davidson, he he has to be offered back to his Swedish team before he is sent to Cleveland. Now, Yarmo could make a plea to the Swedish team. This is where the kid really wants to be. Please say no when we offer him to you. I just don't know if that if that comes to pass. It's not fully in their control. But I don't think you want Davidson here sitting up in the NHL level, not playing much or playing a fourth-line role. That doesn't make a lot of sense if they're as high on this kid as they say they are. And he has shown flashes where you go, wow, that kid can really move. And that kid is smart. Classic Swede. He's, he's a very responsible player. Um, there's nothing about his game that blows you away offensively. But he's, just, he's a really good skater and he's always in the right position. For me, Stenland is, like, is a nice player who I think has made significant strides. He looked great up in Traverse City, as you would expect him to as a 23-year-old playing against kids. And I think he's looked pretty good in the preseason. He's not looked out of place at all in the exhibition games. But I, I, nothing about him right now screams AH or NHL difference maker. Right. So for me, if I'm keeping if I'm keeping 14, it's easy. I'm going with Duclair, Hanekinen, Milano, and Sedlak. And then the question becomes, when are we going to need the two extra forwards? And shouldn't Sonny be playing? And if that's the case, then Sonny goes to Cleveland because he can. And you have 13 forwards. There's really no reason, unless you're going on a long road trip, to keep two extra guys at a position when your AHL team is right up the road, unless those guys have to clear waivers. So for me, it's like if they keep 14, we know who they are. If they don't, then it's Milano that goes back to Cleveland. Unless they think he has just been demonstrably better than Marcus Hanekinen or Sedlak. And then maybe put those guys on waivers and hope that they clear. So, well, and this this is my it, where Torts yells and says stop coaching, but I still would like to see a little bit of I'd like to see them try some different things in that bottom six too, mm-hmm. because I, I I'd love and we talked about this before I'd love to see Riley Nash at least get a look on what appears to be the third line right now, and that's not a slight to Brandon Dubinsky. I would just like to see some different looks for that player that was brought in for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I think, I think that it would be valuable to see what he can do with some other guys on the wing, because to Tom's point earlier of what, what is the identity of the fourth line? What's the identity of the third line? There, there could be some different answers there. Yeah. I think as it's shaped right now, the third line has a pretty clear identity with Jenner. Yes. Jenner, Dubinsky, Anderson, like that's the pain, the pain line. Um, and then the, what do you do with the fourth line? Well, <laughs> and, exactly. and I was, I poked around a little bit with this with Tortorella the other day and he did go to the no coaching retort, which means I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, uh, but Duclair, Nash and Milano, you go, Oh no, that's interesting. Like, what would that look like? Is that, that's not a checking line. No, that is a, sort of an opportunistic line, but uh, it's, it's, it's not a, it, it's weird. And it's it, it needs thing. time, right? It needs time on the ice. It can't play 
to do what it in theory it looks to be built to do, yeah. it's going to need some minutes, in my opinion. Yeah, and we always say this about it, but like, it's not that he's a not a nice kid. Sonny just doesn't always play well with others because he's his mind works in a certain way. Right, right. That you know what I mean? Like he's just trying certain stuff that other guys don't have the guts to try. Right. Um, and a fourth line role, a fourth line role seems strange to him, but if if it's if it's structured that way, then again, who knows what that line looks like? Tom, any thoughts here? No. You're the Thank best you, in the business. Best Thank in the you, business. Uh, uh, so, Clint, I'll tell you. I, you know, I'm not. Um, uh, Lucas Sedlock is a guy to me is is really, you know, he's he's up against it. I, I, I you know, he he's been injured a lot. I don't see in the scenario that we have unless there's an injury why Sedlock would play center. I mean, you correct. You you brought Nash here. So the the whole idea of when you're what you're, I mean, he's a winger now to me. Unless there's an injury, if there's an injury, yes, he's he's probably moves back to center, and it's nice that he can do it. But man, from his his rookie year where you know he was centering a good fourth line uh, to now is it's 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 been a it's been a tough go for him. I think mostly because he couldn't stay healthy. Right. Yeah. And again, like we talked about a minute ago, I think it's how you want to shape that fourth line. And it could well come down to we're keeping one Hanekind and a Sedlak. Um, yeah. Because those are defensive minded forwards. I don't know if you keep both I mean, of them or not. They were, I mean, if you remember, they were talking about this is, I think, in his rookie year, where it had to be. They wanted him to be a penalty killer. They wanted, yeah. they, they were, they really thought that he could you know, give them a little bit more in the, in that role. And, and now we're sitting here a year, a year or so later seeing, is he going to make the team? Yeah. It's been a tough stretch for him. The other thing I wonder about, frankly, too, and I don't, I don't think it's there yet. It may not be for a while, but Riley Nash did not sign with Columbus to play on the fourth line with Marcus Hanekainen. Right. And and Sedlak, I mean, nothing against those guys, but, this is a guy that like showed himself and uh, uh, you know expressed himself pretty well in a second line role in Boston when there were injuries last year, and I don't think he's been given a sniff above the fourth line really throughout camp. Like it's it has always been Dubinsky on the third line, which is fine. He's looked really good in training camp. I wonder though if the surprise is not afoot with Alexander Wenberg and Riley sw- moving up to take. I think. I, I don't think it's beyond um, a reality to suggest Tortorella may play that card and play it early that Riley Nash is his team's second-line centerman. And we'll see what we do with Wenberg as a wake-up call to Wenberg if, if he feels one is needed. Uh, but I just I don't know how pleased Riley Nash would be to sign a free agent contract to go somewhere as the land of opportunity uh, and end up on a, on a fourth line in a fourth line capacity, killing penalties. Exactly. I, yeah. well, yeah. It, and again, we, they haven't played a game yet, so we'll see. As you know, these things change over time. Guys move up and down lines, uh, especially in today's game. So, you know, in two weeks from now, we could be talking about the scenario that you just laid out, Aaron, that he's playing yeah. second line minutes. So, yeah. and I, and I think he's a veteran player. He understands that, you know, he'll, He'll adjust, and there'll be opportunities. So, 
yeah, I, I think that's one of those things that uh, I think let it play out a little while and, and then see where where everyone is. No, I demand an answer right now. Yeah, well, stop then, coaching. Then you, you are. Then you really. Then we really are a radio station, right? <laughs> um, let's get to this because it 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 perked my ears. We're in Clinton, New York, and I'm I'm thinking of writing. I'm going to write a scene setter about this wonderful, warm little village that awakened with an NHL game in it. And then the commissioner says, yeah, yeah, we'll talk after the first period. And the commissioner, for the first time, we've asked him this, oh, 10 times about an outdoor, an outdoor game in Columbus. And he's always said, we have heard from the club. Uh, we understand they're interested. And shaking his head and saying, I know where you're going with this. The club has told us that they're interested. Lots of teams are interested. This was the first time that Gary Bettman said, um, you know, the league's considered Columbus, too. And you go, whoa, now that's interesting. Um, he made it pretty clear that the league has had at least cursory discussions about hosting an outdoor game in Columbus, Ohio, which would be, I don't need to tell you guys, huge. Um, what do you make of the commissioner taking this, if only a half step, a half step forward? My God, is this going to happen? Is this is this politicking by the league? How excited should should people be by this? Because I'm I'm getting very intrigued by it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's huge and exciting to this fan base to hear that kind of messaging from the commissioner. But I, I do think this is a challenge to see if the resources in this city are, are going to play nice on the idea, right? Because right. the de facto site is Ohio stadium. And this is a, you know, we, we Tortorella talks about gaining respect. This is a, another variable of saying, Hey, if the NHL says they're interested in playing, you should be willing to play nice on this. Um, yeah. And I think it's maybe throwing down that gauntlet just a little bit. I totally agree. I, for me, that was that's the league um, poking poking the large body politic in Columbus to to start working on something about this. Yes. Yeah, Tom. Should I go on my rant now, or should or do you want to weigh in on what what Allison said? Well, I'm just going to be really surprised when they get this game, and the, it's the Rangers and the Blackhawks. Yes, right. Columbus. <laughs> Um, the Penguins and the Blackhawks from Ohio Stadium. It obviously would be fantastic, and I really can't add more to the idea that, yeah, so it seems like so much of this hinges on whether Ohio State is gonna, going to kind of agree to allow them to uh, use their stadium for this, and and there should be pressure put on it. It's a, it's a you know, they, they've played in different stadiums. They've, they've played, obviously, in Michigan. Uh, is Notre Dame has they played there, Allison? Or are they coming to? Are they going to play there? I saw the T-shirts at the gift shop. Have they played a game at Notre Dame? I am looking. I not outdoor, not in their stadium. Is right. my recollection. Uh, uh, you know they want they like doing these at these historic stadiums. Stadium oh, do, series. Yes, yeah. at, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, this is yeah. This it makes all the perfect sense. Um, the Blue Jackets. They, they, you know, it, it's a good timing too because the team is now relevant. They've made yeah, the playoffs yeah. a couple times. They've had, they've got some really good young players. Uh, it all makes sense. And again, I, again, agree that it's Ohio State 
Is, are they going to play nice and decide to let this happen? It's the same building that, to me, would would make a fantastic World Cup venue, but they, that's probably not going to happen the next time the yeah. World Cup. And there is, Tom is correct, there hasn't been a game, but there is to be a game this January 1st, 2019 in Notre Dame Stadium. And, and that is Blackhawks. And Bruins. <laughs> oh, that'll be good to see those two teams outside. I never get enough. Yeah, I always joke with the Blackhawks writers that the Blackhawks should release an indoor game schedule. Each year. <laughs> um, anyways, well, I mean, and this is what we've, we've, we've uh, mentioned this, but and I do think that the relationship has, has gotten better, Ohio State and the Blue Jackets. And this is a fairly cynical view, but I know it's one that many hold. Many think it to be the, rea- the reality here. Ohio State does not want the Blue Jackets here. Ohio State has never wanted the Blue Jackets here. And so the perspective among many, um, the belief among many, is that the perspective among at least a few people in power at Ohio State see no reason to turn their venerable old stadium over to help elevate this team that they don't want here. They want to be the big, they've, they've always been the big dog here. They've run this town. And now here comes little brother. They didn't want a little brother, but mom and dad had a little brother. And they still don't want him. That's the feeling that many people think is still alive. If it can happen at Michigan Stadium, the big house, of course it can happen here. If the last event ever played at Yankee Stadium, you talk about venerable. It's a cathedral. As one guy told me yesterday, literally a cathedral. I'm like, well, it's not literally a cathedral, but <laughs> that the last event ever played there was an outdoor hockey game. So it should be able to happen here. There's no reason it can't happen here. And yes, a little part of me thought that Gary Bettman was putting it out there to not put it all in Columbus's lap, but to say, okay, now it's time for movement on the other side of this. If you want it so bad, City of Columbus make it happen and this might be something that goes above the blue jackets and above ohio state and requires um engagement at the state level or at a mayoral level to to push these two parties together and say make this happen because it would be great for the community i think it would be pittsburgh or i'm sorry uh, detroit that they play so you've got i mean you, you could go all the way up with this you could have the blue jackets and the red wings play of course you could have grand rapids and cleveland play of course you could have Ohio State men's and women's team play Michigan. It would be fantastic. And you could have Ed Ginger's crew uh, wheel a wheel a under eighteen team out there uh, to play against the honey baked kids from from Detroit. I mean, you could certainly get usage out of it. I think there was a, a lot of concern for previous years when Columbus asked about this, and nobody wanted to say it was. Would they sell 105,000 tickets? Like, is there that much interest? Um, I still think it needs to be the right opponent, but it seems like it's it's more possible now than it has been. And I think the commissioner alluded to that with his comments. Agree. Anything from you guys? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. no, it, well done. So we go um, we go to the rink this morning. Blue Jackets in Pittsburgh tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh's bringing a good lineup. Kessel, Crosby, Malkin, um, they're cranking it up here. I think the Blue Jackets are going to do the same. They have not released their lineup yet, <laughs> yet for this game. I love the preseason 
um, sportsmanship, if you will. Gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. That's the that's the right word. Um, and the sense we've gotten is that the lineup Saturday in Chicago is going to be pocked with uh, several AHL players. Um, maybe half the lineup is going to be are going to be guys that are Cleveland bound or already in Cleveland that will be coming up for a game. The Blue Jackets don't want to expose. I mean, they're down to 26 healthy guys. I think they don't want to expose 20 of those guys to back-to-back uh, games uh, to end the preseason. So that's what's ahead of us. We will chat with you again on Tuesday. By then, we should know what this final roster looks like. We should know for sure if Wenberg, or sorry, Wierenski is ready to go. Opening night, this is Friday. Opening night is next Thursday, October 4th in Dallas. Uh, and we'll, so we'll be back with you in a couple days. Thanks for listening to us. If you're listening to this and wondering, geez, I wonder how I can get more from these people, perhaps the written word. Uh, well, there's a way to do that. It's theathletic.com slash front and nationwide, front A-N-D nationwide. That is a seven-week free trial, seven-day free trial. I'm all over the place. <laughs> and a significant discount. So give that a look, theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. Also, uh, thanks to David Cook at David Cook Music for the great intro and outro music that Allison plays us in and plays us out with each week. Uh, Thanks to him for that. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all in a few days. 